0: at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to chase for business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards, and they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member FDIC. You're ready for a comeback.
2: And with Purdue Global... This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young Jr.
0: Growing up, there was not a single positive reference that I remember in media or popular culture or anything. Like, I grew up with Peter Pan and like the whole like, what makes the red man red? And then we got Disney's Pocahontas, which everyone thought was a sort of good depiction of natives. And it did make some limited strides, but then that meant that everyone would just, when I said I was Native, would like sing Colors of the Wind to me.
2: You might remember this conversation I had in 2021 with Dr. Adrian Keene, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation, scholar, and author of Notable Native People. We were talking about the erasure and invisibility of Indigenous people. We agreed that there was a disconnect between the way Natives are portrayed on film and television and the realities of Native and Indigenous life.
3: What I love about movies and cinema is that, like, you can create a world, and if you do it right, an audience will go along with you, and they 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 go into your world that you've created, and, and, and they give themselves over to that. And I already had a leg up because the world I come from is so unknown. That's filmmaker Sterling Harjo, a
2: citizen of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. He's the creator and showrunner of Reservation Dogs. It's an FX series about a group of Native American teenagers coming of age on a
3: reservation in Oklahoma. I mean, like, we only talk about the warriors and, and the heroes and stuff, but it's like, you know, what about the ones that didn't do shit or that were scared, or that, like, that died because died their horse hit a gopher hole? You know, like what, like, what about them? You know, like, that's also a part of us.
2: Harjo's other work, including award-winning feature films and documentaries, has also largely focused on Native history, identity, and culture. In Reservation Dogs, he strives to portray fully realized Indigenous folks in America, a departure from the representation that some of us may be all too familiar with.
3: Hi, my name is Sterling Harjo. I am filmmaker, creator, showrunner of Reservation Dogs, and I feel that representing the humanity of Native people is a solvable problem. I think the work that you're doing is very
2: tangible when it comes to stopping the erasure of a culture. Can you talk a little bit about how
3: your work is encouraging that visibility? We just tell the truth. You show the good, you show the bad, because we because that's what's missing, is we haven't been seen as human. Mm-hmm. And humans are good and bad, and we have to show those sides and also tell a good story first. And then you're going to get the activism or the 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 real stuff that we're going for right like like as long as i tell a good story like that's the trojan horse right like you tell the good story and you get in there i feel like i know how to bring us into the rest of the world i was so proud to be able to do it because i feel like i i I had known how to do it. i feel like i know how to do it you know because you know how it is like like as soon as you're an underrepresented person gets to tell their story they don't want to share the darkness they don't want to share the blemishes yep they only want us to look perfect they only yep. want us uh, uh, us to have, be you know everything to look amazing and like you know like w- like there's no issues here like because like it's it's the pendulum swinging you know i mean like one of the best things about this show is the feedback i've gotten from the community people from all over indigenous communities riding me and saying, man, like." My kids are finally feel like they're seeing something that represents them, like I mean, my dad said the other day he was like you you've given them an identity again, like we can be proud, and part of that being proud, I think, is just showing us as flawed, beautiful human beings. And showing that we face death and that sometimes we can't handle life and sometimes we sometimes we are upset and sometimes we're not good people and sometimes we're really good, you know, and just showing that, letting people kind of relax a little bit and take a breath, and that we don't have to be these historical figures that that fought and lost or won for our land and like and it was just kind of shaking that off and like a good blues song you know it's like what is that what it, how do you strip it down to what it is you know it's like yeah without all the fancy stuff like what are we we're human you know and like you try to tell that the truth and the and the and the and the light and the darkness with that and i think that that's what makes a difference and that's what gets people to Identify with it, and watching the show, I felt that I felt you know watching a show like yours,
2: watching a show like Rami, Atlanta. Uh, I feel like there's a, a, right. other shows where they're just showing humans of oh, uh, yeah. of cultures yeah. that have been have been in America and a part of America for a long time, but showing them as human. But I think one of the most interesting ways that you did it on Reservation Dogs was that you have a Bear, one of the main characters, jeans t shirt teenage boy. He is talking to one of his oh, ancestors, yeah. his grandfather, uncle, cousin, right. who explains explicitly states that he's not one of the awesome ones
1: but i fought bravely well i didn't actually fight i actually didn't even get into the fight itself but i came over that hill real rugged like "Ah! Ah!" but then the damn horse hit a gopher hole fucking rolled over and squashed
2: me i died there he was just the guy (laughs) who who died on his horse after (laughs) his horse (laughs) <laughs> Fell right. into a hole. Without, I thought right. was hilarious. Um, is was all of right. that the inspiration behind giving Bear this very regular ancestor to
3: guide him? Totally. I mean, like we only talk about the warriors and and the heroes and stuff. But it's like you know what about the ones that didn't do shit or that were scared, <laughs> that, like that died died because their horse hit a gopher hole. You know, like what like what about them? Yeah, you know, like that's also a part of us. And I think one thing that's important about that character, and I'm glad you brought it up. Is what I learned, because we had a comedy group, Dallas Gold Tooth, who plays Spirit. We had a comedy, we have a comedy group and we would travel around and we really learned like what works for non-Native audiences for Native humor and what doesn't. Specifically white audiences, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, like, because you got to almost give them permission to laugh mm. when it's Native stuff because they want to be like, so like, oh. Like, I the find the same thing like, with Black
2: humor, but continue. <laughs> exactly. Right.
3: Like You got to, you got to like, oh, like. Like, oh, I don't want to laugh. Like, you know, (laughs) you have to give them permission to laugh. And it was, it was A, taking the stereotype that, like, if I were to say, like, like, draw me a Native American, like, they wouldn't draw bear, they would draw spirit. You know, it's a delicate thing, like, trying to get people to laugh at things that they're used to not laughing with or about or anything, you know? So I think that that character specifically was kind of works as that mechanism, I guess. Tell me a little bit uh, about how you got into film. You know, I got into college and I was at the University of Oklahoma. And I took an intro to film and video studies with this Hungarian professor named Misha Nedeljkovic. And his, like, love for cinema was so contagious. And it was... When I discovered that it was a language was when I was pumped. And, like, I, that's when I really got into it. It was like, okay, um... Like, I... Like, like when I realized it wasn't just pointing a camera towards something, it was literally like telling stories with the camera and using cameras and shots to, and music and everything, all the senses to tell a story. I just really, um, I don't know, I fell in love and I, and I didn't look back. I was like, I have to do this, you know, and, and it's sort of, that sort of coincided with me discovering that I was a pretty good writer. Um, I think I was always a good storyteller. I just was not confident in writing. Um, but it was in college that I discovered that I could, you know, with a little work, I
2: could write. College is the time that we all become a lot more self-aware. Uh, I think that right. I was identified most with my with my Blackness when I got to college, uh, and right. I began to kind of express it in everything that I did, you know, whether it was playing music, talking to friends, whatever, it was like I had to express my Blackness. As you were becoming more creative and writing and be, and enjoying telling stories, did you find yourself having that same
3: level of expressiveness when it comes to your Indigenous heritage? Yeah, I mean, like it was. There was two things. I mean, like on one hand, like I'd kind of grown up in this community, and I was hungry for things like punk rock and and indie rock, and like uh, I was wanting to express myself through art, and I was discovering artists and cinema and all this stuff that had nothing to do with my heritage or background, and I really just kind of dove into all of that. But like you said, in a couple of years of that though when I started applying myself and writing and wanting to be a filmmaker, then I was like, oh, but this is the thing that's unique about me. And and then it was like, oh, now, then I like discovered, rediscovered who I was and everything kind of came from that lens after that. And I realized that, you know, a lot of people don't have the leg up that I had. Like I have this, like, I mean, what I love about movies and cinema is that like, you can create a world and if you do it right, an audience will go along with you and they, they they go into your world that you've created and 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 they give themselves over to that. And I already had a leg up because the world I come from is so unknown that it, it was a little easier, I felt like, to bring people into this world that they didn't know, you know? So after that, I, very similar to you, I everything kind of filtered through that lens. When you're making discoveries
2: about new things that you love that weren't necessarily a part of your culture growing up, for instance, punk rock, but they're things that you're introduced to that you love, as you become more in touch with your culture, do you look for the connections between the thing that you love and your culture?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I like hip-hop. I like punk rock. uh, I like Mm -hmm. rebellious music. And I think that Indigenous people you know, we've always been in a bit of a rebellion. It's like, you know, it's like there was always something to fight for to this day. And so I connect to that. And, you know, um, the show is filled with punk rock and indie rock and hip hop. And like the opening is, you know, uh, I want to be your dog by the Stooges. And it's like, you know, one of my favorite things is finding ways to bring all of that back into my community because I mean, it's there anyway, but it's like, how do I show that and express it, you know?
2: I did not know that that was a, that song was by right. the band of Red Bull. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Come and get your love.
2: Incredibly popular song. song. Right? It was on, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was on. I, I remember as they're singing it, I'm like, this is from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. What significance right. does it have here? It. Yeah. And then at the end, when you show the band playing it, I'm right. like, oh my goodness, this is right. all of those happy little connections. I imagine yeah. that that inspires, uh, inspires you to do more work to say, like, see, there, look at these connections, understand how it all comes together.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was one of my favorite things It's like, kind of reclaiming Redbone, you know? It's like the world knows who they are, but they don't know where they come from and who they really are. And it was like, I want to show that in this unique way as this in this episode. A lot of times Native people are shown—were only shown in the 1800s most of the time, you know? So— trying to show us in a contemporary light and and how, you know, we're just as influenced by all these things, pop culture, like everyone is, you know, like from hip hop to movies to um, to clothing. I mean, like style, you know, we're so... One of our strengths is that we were able to adapt. Like, for instance, in my community, um, we have songs that are really important and you'll you hear them being sung at a funeral scene in, in the show. And they are hymns. And those hymns were, <laughs> uh, they're a mix of like, uh, the style of singing was kind of brought here by uh Scottish missionaries and it was called line singing well then you, mm-hmm. you had freed African slaves next to that were also a part of our tribe with the Seminole Nation but also lived in those in the same area in the southeast and you know all this style of singing emerges and you hear it in slave spirituals you also hear it in these Muscogee Creek and Seminole hymns and it's a style of singing that they call it line singing mm-hmm. and you know it's a way of worshiping it's a way of kind of singing prayer, you know, and um, all of those cultures kind of have a mix of that. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Like that's what I, I love celebrating that, right? Like I love talking about how our cultures intersect. I think part of our survival has been adapting. You know, I think the same thing for, you know, Black people in this country. It's like part of survival is absorbing things in culture and 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 claiming it for ourselves, you know, and like also or just like Presenting it in a new way, you know, and I think that's something beautiful about the intersection of cultures. Uh, it's a, it's about survival, I think. I am I am a black Christian. I've been in the church my whole life. My
2: father's an assistant pastor. Like I'm heavily right. involved in the church. And I do remember that funeral scene uh right. where the they were singing the doing the line singing. I was struck by that part. I was like, right. this is very, very familiar. And I think that's one thing about the show Reservation Dogs is that it's it's very familiar. As soon as it comes on and you realize that the main characters are are basically on a quest to get out of their little small town. I was like, oh. Oh yeah, this is familiar. Like I, oh, I know yeah, the story. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, everybody can relate to that, right?
2: Yeah, and, it, it, and I, and I like that you use that in order to make it familiar. But then you, uh, you slowly start introducing concepts that I didn't know about, which is in episode two. You immediately start talking about uh, Indian health services right, and right. subtly making these little statements about it throughout.
0: What are you here for?
2: Gone to a fight, busting my
3: nose. I got some good ones in though. tell your mom. No, I didn't. You shouldn't either. You know, like patient doctor protocol or whatever it's called. Tell me a little
2: bit about what your intentions were by teasing out of the lessons that that me as a
3: non indigenous person would learn from watching a show like this. We all know what bad healthcare is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my whole goal is to be very specific show this culture very be be very specific about the nuance mm-hmm. and the differences and the little things that details that make it real. But it all has an undercurrent of universality. And I think that those two the combination of those two things are what make people want to come back and watch the show. Cause I think when we're like young and we're activists and we're we're you know in our early 20s, wait, we 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 want to yell, you know, we want like a bullhorn to yell. But you realize people don't listen when you yell. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want people to hear, you have to find the right way to deliver it to them. Like making a podcast. (laughs) Right, making a podcast, making a show, but also making a balance of like, where where I don't feel like I'm, you don't feel like you're, you're getting a lecture. You're just getting little tastes of lessons of healthcare disparities in America in Indigenous communities through a really funny episode that all takes place at the Indian Clinic, you know, where Bobby Lee is a doctor and like all of these things. Yeah, so so I think it's like something that I've been—it's a needle I've been trying to thread through from my whole career.
2: Most people that have an opportunity, especially when it comes to underserved communities and uh, minority groups that are underrepresented, especially in ho- in TV and film, you don't necessarily know if you're going to get another chance at this. So you kind of just have to, you know, set your path straight, and whatever happens, happens. But you guys get a season two, right? Do you have a plan for us to have
3: a long term stay with Reservation Dogs? Or oh yeah, yeah, my friend Taika YTT helped open the door for me. And then mm-hmm. he was like, "All right, you know, there you go." And I was like, <laughs> "I, I have to swing for the fences. Like, I'm gonna not doubt myself." You know, we all have that in our heads, where where that imposter syndrome. Like, should I be here? Like, am, am I supposed to be here? Like, uh, do I deserve this? I mean, I, you know, that's something I've always dealt with. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and I've always, as a as a native person, minority, I've always fought. Any sort of, I like, don't hand me anything, like, and I've never gotten mad at something that I felt was racist. I mean, I've been told so many times, like, this is too native, we can't fund this, you know, like, I don't know. like native films don't sell or anything. I never let that get me mad. It just fueled me. I almost wanted the hardest path because it's in, it was in my head from a young age. My mom, I remember, we would get this. Uh, my tribe would give us a, a clothing voucher before school started. 250 bucks to go to the mall and get yourself some clothing. And because it's tribal money, it's non taxable. But, you know, the people at Dillard's weren't used to that. And my mom would just battle them, be like, no, it's non taxable. And if they made it sound like it was a handout anyway, my mom would be like, this is not a handout. This is inheritance from our tribe, you know? And so, I always, almost like subconsciously wanted the harder, like, like, yeah, be racist. Like, I hope you don't understand what native stories are because someday I'm gonna show you, you know? And I made all low budget films until this point. I mean, like
1: Mm -hmm.
3: you could have only made two episodes of Reservation Dogs with the budget of most of my feature films, you know? So when I got here, I was like, all right, I fought to be here. I got nothing to lose. I'm gonna swing for the fences and see what happens. And I never doubted myself and I just went for it. And I think that that was key to having a successful show because I wasn't second guessing myself. I wasn't editing myself. I was just going for it.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
4: Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients. Each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com/business/podcast. Chase: Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City with the success that you're
2: having with the show, how do you consider opening the door for other uh, Native creators that may want to come after you? Do you have a a plan for that? Do you feel a responsibility to do that? Right. And if so, do you have a plan for that?
3: I mean, definitely. I mean, like, I don't have the show without Taika Waititi, you know? Like, like, um, him helping a friend out. And I've done the same. I mean, like, every writer on the show, uh, they're all Indigenous and they're all friends. All of the directors were friends of mine that... I wanted to give you know their first TV shot, or and one of them directs TV already, but two others like it was their first time directing TV, um, doing the same thing for the next season, um, and then also I have an overall deal at FX now, and part of that is me bringing okay, in, bringing in other folks, yeah. So like that's honestly like I think my favorite thing about what's happened is like I now get to help people with their projects, and because I mean for me like. How I always made my films and also how I made Reservation Dogs was it was not like a top-down thing. Like, I don't like the hierarchy of Hollywood and how they usually do it. Like, for me, it's just like... You can't reser- be saying that on Mike Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Getting tracked. Um, but like, you know, I, I love the community aspect of it. Like, I love like, just how Reservation Dogs is kind of about a community. That's how I like making this stuff. So with, being, with bringing in a lot more uh, and working with other
2: Native creators, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of like an inflection point right now where the Native community is receiving a lot of artistic attention. These stories and perspectives have always been important, but what do you think makes them more important to tell in this moment?
3: Like with African-American cinema and TV, you know, you had these moments like Boys in the Hood and things like that, where it's like you're reflecting on your communities. I mean like one of my biggest influences on the show was was Friday. Oh,
2: that's a classic. Yeah. Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, 1995. I love that movie.
3: By all accounts, that neighborhood is supposed to be the ghetto and scary and dangerous. But it's, you know, in Friday it's like funny. It's not thriving, but it's, like, mm. beautiful. You know, it's a celebration. Yeah. And yeah. there might be one house that's, like, an asshole lives in, but then the next one is, like, manicured and they're funny and whatever. You know, it's, like, that's what I want to do. Like, literally, whenever I was designing the, kind of, the neighborhood of the of the reservation where they live, we looked at uh, Friday. And we used more pastel colors and painted the houses. And, you know, like, I think people's first inclination when they think of reservation is to make everything trashy, you know, because that's what we've seen in the documentaries. But I was like, no, like, there might be one house that has, like, a car in the yard or whatever, but then the neighbor's house is going to be manicured and there's going to be flowers and stuff, you know? Like, that's... that's, We're people. You know, we're in this moment that I see, that I saw, I think, with African-American cinema, like, Friday and... All of that were like you had Boys in the Hood. You're talking about problems within our community and everything. And then then you move into Friday. and It's like, oh, but this is a celebration. But also we're still talking about like our own issues, you know, like our own issues in our community. And Mm -hmm. we're talking about suicide and our own issues that we're facing. And it's not about how do white people save us. It's about how do we handle these problems ourselves? Like how do we address them? What is unique about the way that we address them? And so I see us in this infancy in, in, in our storytelling, where we're at. And where we can go is limitless from every angle.
2: If our listeners want to get involved and help seeing more visibility within Native American arts and
3: film communities, what can they do? Illuminative is a really good organization that kind of covers everything, from education to entertainment to art I mean like they really cover a lot and I think that that is my friend Crystal Echo runs that and I think that I don't know that they're just growing and they're building and they've really done so much in um, helping us be visible and also celebrating what's happening in Indian country you know follow them on Instagram Illuminative and it, they really give you a good broad sense of where you can go and, and who's all involved in the community Thank you so much for
2: being with us, Sterling. This has been incredible. Thank you. Sterling Harjo is the filmmaker, creator, and showrunner of Reservation Dogs, and he's directed three feature films, including Four Sheets to the Wind, Barking Water, and Mecco. And two documentaries, This May Be the Last Time, and Love and Fury. Season two of Reservation Dogs is coming later in 2022. You can find a link to his work and also Illuminative in our show notes. Solvable is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Editorial support from Keshell Williams. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias, and our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. I'm Ronald Young Jr. Thanks for listening.